I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode 151 of We Are Going Up. (laughs) I'm Mark Crossley and this is the voice of a man who's been on a stag do in Newcastle for the last few days. Sounds alright. I'm slowly starting to feel like a human being again today actually. You're looking well. I I certainly wasn't feeling well uh, yesterday. Uh, But here's a man who will be experiencing that very feeling quite a lot in the next few weeks. I think uh, David Cameron Walker is here. Hello. Uh, The Championship is having an international break and so are you. (laughs) <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Indeed, I am. Now, uh, slightly, slightly longer, though, than yeah, the international break. You're, you're having a slightly longer break in the mm. States. Tell everyone where you're going to be on Sunday. Okay, Is I, that a thing? Are we allowed to, to say? I'm going to WrestleMania. <laughs> you are going to WrestleMania. In the Levi Stadium. Is the Stone, Stone Cold Steve Austin going to be there? Uh, the I, Rock? I, I think, Kurt no, Angle? They're not on anymore. Okay, maybe. they're not they're on. Not, I, I, don't watch, I don't watch wrestling um, anymore. But, um, yeah, you John go, Stewart might be there. Yes, I, I saw that. I did see that. But you'd rather be the Vic, surely, in the next few. Weeks. Well, we have got some big games coming up, mm. and it's funny because part of my trip, without being too self-indulgent, telling you all about my holidays, um, it's our show, mate. Not so. as glamorous as it sounds. Uh, I'm, I'm going to Vegas for two for two nights during the holiday. Um, the last time I was in Vegas was two years ago. Long-time listeners may recall uh, me having the dilemma of trying to find a place to watch Watford's <laughs> potentially promotion-winning game against Leeds two years ago, the last day of the season. Uh, which went disastrously wrong. Uh, yeah, I couldn't find a TV back then. In both ways, because it was it was on a five in the morning yeah. uh, Vegas time, and I was getting text updates from my dad. Okay, like literally minute by minute, <laughs> live minute by minute text updates like from, my, from my dad. Website. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't quite as good as then. <laughs> um, uh, and I'm, we were playing twice. The good thing is for me, we were playing twice over the Easter weekend. Mm. Away to Derby, home to Middlesbrough, both on Sky, Ooh, big games, and both at reasonable times. I think so. I should hopefully be able to watch uh. them. I'm going to try and convince as many. American sports fans who were there get some get some bit, what you, bits recorded a lot of the places in Vegas where you go to watch sports in right. sports there's like uh, walls of just all of this because it's like, one of the only places you can gamble in America basically so you've got people just watching like everything you know baseball NFL basketball all the sports is it like the I'm going to try and get Carlsberg people... sports bar in well, exactly. central yeah, yeah. and we'll try and convince okay. people to support the Hornets Okay, well, we'll see how you get on with that when you get back. Uh, coming up later on this week's show, uh, we are going to be asking if Hartlepool can pull off the great escape in League Two. Uh, ever since we've been to see Peterborough, uh, they are on the roll. They're in the playoffs spots now. Unbelievable stuff, we should, isn't it? We should get something for that. Uh, we'll also talk a bit more about what's been going on in the Championship promotion picture, and we'll assess that mental game between Rotherham and Sheffield Wednesday, or try to, with lots of goals right at the end. All the usual offers still available, by the way, on our website, wearegoingup.co.uk. Get your paddy power. Uh, offer there you get free audiobook on us at audible.co.uk slash going up and you can sign up for the football 
Pauls. Also, later, we're going to be joined by Jacob Daniel, the deputy editor of Notts County's Black and White fanzine. Uh, Jacob will be on to talk about the news that um, Notts County have sacked Sean Derry this week following a run of just three wins in the last 24 league games, uh, a run which has left them teetering on the brink of relegation to League Two. But first, before that, we are going to begin at the National Stadium at Wembley on Sunday, where a crowd of over, over um, 72,000 uh, watched Bristol City clinch the Johnston's Paint Trophy for a record a third time following that 2-0 win against Walsall goals from Aidan Flint and Mark Little uh, seeing Steve Cottrell's side lift some silverware and they'll be hoping to lift some more in the next couple of months with a 10 point lead in League One going into the last eight games of the season so just why has everything gone so right at Ashton Gate this year let's find out more from a man we've had on the podcast before a man who writes the Bristol City blog The Exiled Robin he is Paul Binning and Paul was there at Wembley on Sunday and I'm pleased to say he is on the line uh, to speak to us right now uh, Paul thanks very much for coming on the show first of all I guess I should get you to describe exactly what it was like to be there watching your side win a trophy in front of over 70,000 fans at Wembley Hi Mark, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, pretty amazing, um, as you can imagine. I think, uh, I mean, it's it's the third time for us, which uh, is a record of its level, and it's a record we sort of all thought about. And actually, we didn't really want that record because it just means we've been in the lower two divisions for too too many years in the last thirty. But um, yeah, to, to win a trophy at Wembley is pretty special. There's not many teams get a chance to do that, and to be followed by forty thousand people at the M4 to to see it and. And in the end, to be honest, to be nice and comfortable, actually, and quite a, a relaxable, enjoyable day out. Uh, you know, it was just uh, it was one of those games we were in control of, and we sort, sort of just uh, knew without too much arrogance. I think we were going to win quite early on. Without taking anything away from Walsall, it was a great achievement for them to get to Wembley for their first time in their Absolutely, history. But yeah. there was there was a sense of inevitability about about the victory, really where I'm standing you've had such an amazing season you've got this huge league lead at the top of league one and you know you're comfortably the best team in those two divisions as has been evidenced by you winning this competition really and and you will go up this season barring an absolute you know catastrophe and (laughs) a miracle for someone to catch you so what an amazing season it's been like the good times look like they're, they're coming back yeah, it has been. It's been beyond, you know, beyond any dreams. And certainly in my sort of thirty or 40, thirty or so years watching the best season, I think we've had. You know, it's. It, it, I think Sunday really summed it up. To be honest, it was. It wasn't overly exciting, partly because we're just, you know, again, without trying to sound too arrogant, I really careful not to be that. But we've been so good this season so often, and we just get in control of games, and we take the. Once we take the lead, we control possession and we control the match, and we don't look under much threat. And uh, you know, I think the, the fact that two goals came from defenders on Sunday said a lot as well about the team ethic. We're not relying on sort of one or two people in the team. There's a there's a great squad there, um, a small squad, it must be said. I think you know, there's a lot of accusations that we've got a huge squad. I mean, we've we've got sort of 17 or 18 core who pretty much have played every game this season or been in the squad for every game. Um, but it, it has just been absolutely tremendous and. I think Sunday was, again, testament to the fact how seriously we take every game. Uh, Steve Cox would come in and there's no messing. There's no taking some games easier. There's no easing off at any point. And he's taken every game in the JPT as seriously as any league game and given a few squad players a chance, but pretty much kept the core of the team there. And it's shown with results in the competition. And even on Sunday, we didn't sort of take people off after an hour when we were 2-0 up to save them for the league. He was playing and he played them all for 80, 85 minutes like he pretty much has done every game this season. You mentioned Steve Cottrell there. Take us back to when he was appointed as Bristol City manager. Um, what was the reaction amongst the fans and has he exceeded all expectations? Oh, well, to answer the last one, absolutely. Um, I've 
I've already been forced to eat my own humble pie, I must admit, and I, I'm not not ashamed to do that. I think, you know, I was amongst a, a sizable portion of a crowd who weren't overly impressed with the, the appointment. I think we saw the last few years of you know, mixing and matching a few clubs here and there and how uh, some reports of direct football and you know a quite attritional football at times and we're a bit concerned about, about what we've done. But, I mean, to be honest, he's pretty much hit every single hurdle face on Smack them all down is you know running running well curved everything because he's the football's fantastic he's brought in creative players who are exciting and enjoyable to watch he's as I said he goes out and absolutely wants to win every single match he plays and I know that sounds like an obvious thing to say for a manager but it, it doesn't sort of come over every everyone you see and that attitude is clearly rubbed off on the players who are you know absolutely in it with him but yeah he's just I mean done fantastically and. You know, hopefully he can. He's, I'm sure he already is planning for hopefully the championship next season, and has views on what's needed to help us to succeed at that level too. You mentioned uh, exciting attacking football, and I think that that is largely because kind of the, the wealth of, of of riches in terms of the playing squad at Cottrell's disposal. Really, I mean, perhaps at other teams he's had in the past when he hasn't necessarily had the the most talented squad of players for the level he's been at. He may have had to sort of compromise and play more. Um, less attractive football, as it were. But if you look at some of the players you've got, Emmanuel Thomas, you know we know all about him. How he, you know spectacular he can be on his day. Luke Freeman's a, a very creative player. You know, you know Wilbraham scored seventeen goals. Kieran Agarlo, you know, for League One, these are these are top players. Absolutely, yeah. And I said, yeah, when you look at what he did in the summer, I mean, I think yeah, this is a record. I, I keep bleating on about this season, but I can't believe there are many clubs many times who have signed seven players in the summer and have found all seven pretty much in the first team all year without you know any loss of form, anyone being dropped. You know, they've all come in. It was clear he, he had decided the system he wanted to play, the style of football he wanted to play, and went out and found players to fit that system rather than just sort of accumulating a set of players. I mean, what he also has done is picked a system that's got the best out of the existing players. So if you look at Aidan Flint at the back who signed the season before, he's now playing a sort of almost sweeper role in the back three he's got two jobs one to drop off and clear up the balls behind and one to go and win every single ball in the air and he's been absolutely tremendous for us and then you've got Joe Bryan on the left who was in and out of the side last year absolutely made for a wing back role it's just absolutely perfect for him and, and you know Cottrell gives him that licence to attack and you know, he's rumoured to be attracting interest in the likes of Everton and, and other Premier League clubs but yeah all the way through the side you know Corey Smith and Luke Freeman for me are uh, you know two of the best, if not the best, midfielders in the league and they complement each other so perfectly with the Smith happy to hold and, and break up attacks, giving Freeman that licence to sit in behind the strikers and I think he's got about 15 assists this season already, which is you know quite a remarkable record. Well, the numbers looking at the whole squad in sort of uh, so many different uh, aspects are remarkable. You mentioned Aidan Flint there. He scored 10 goals this season. He could have easily played him up front or uh, in midfield. Um, <laughs> he, he is yeah, a bit of a um, fan's favourite, isn't he? He he has been, and again, I, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. I think the last the last two months we've had a lot of away games. We've had a long run of Saturday, Tuesday matches, six, seven weeks in a row. And I think what what we've really seen is Aidan Flint, as much as anyone, has really come to four in that time. He scored six goals in the last ten. To be honest, that's been coming. I think if you look at the two or three months before that, he was probably having a good chance from a set piece mainly every single game, and it was just either being saved or hitting the woodwork or sailing just over and he's just obviously just narrowed his radar a little bit but he's the first to put it down to the, the delivery he's getting from the likes of Freeman and Joe Bryan and Marlon Pack who are just you know able to put the ball exactly where they want it from a set piece and you know it's a, it's a great asset to have when you're maybe in a game where you're struggling to break through an open play I don't want to um, 
temp fate, as it were. I suppose it is a you know you you shouldn't necessarily talk about next season and the championship before you've really got it done. But uh, as we've said, you know it looks all, 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 all but there. You've had such a great season. I just so, so so looking ahead, as you mentioned, the squad isn't that big. And I just had a look at the appearances. There's nine players in your squad who've played over forty games this season. Yeah. with the cup yeah. runs, some two of which have played fifty already before the season's out. Um, so there is clearly a dependence on a real core of players as good as they may be for League One you'd, you'd think there's going to be uh, some some reinforcements and some some quality and some bodies and maybe some you know more championship experience going to be added to this squad in the summer if and when you go up yeah absolutely I mean I, you know two points really on the squad I think one is if you look at the age of it only Wade Elliott and Wilbur, Aaron Wilbraham are over I think 26 I think everyone else is 26 and under so that certainly helps with playing 40-50 matches in the season there's enough energy there um, we have got some experience, you know. We've got the likes of, say, Elliot and Wilbraham. There's a few who have played at that level, but yeah, you, you've got to think that there'll be some players added over the summer. Um, there's probably cover in almost every position needed. So you know, what's that six, seven positions through the team that we need to add to just to make sure we've got someone. I think the dilemma will be, you know, how good a player do you want to bring in? Do you want to replace someone who's done such a good job this year and bring in a, a bigger name and, and maybe affect the team spirit, which is absolutely evident with all the games they've played together. Or do you just sort of add add to you know, sort of subbench quality? But um, as I say, I'm pretty sure Cottrell's already looking at the, the next season. He picked this formation and this style to get out of League One. I guess there's a question mark as to whether it will work in the Championship, and he must have a view on that. But yeah, if he does, then he'll be looking for players who can fit neatly into the style. Um, and I think if you look at a couple of loan signings he made this year, they've they've done that as well. You know, Matt Smith. Had, yeah, Matt Smith came in on loan and scored a bucket load of goals in, in three months and has helped us get to Wembley and, and some way toward promotion. In terms of strengthening, though, it's, it's, you're at an interesting point because you've kind of come full circle. You're about to go back into the Championship, but one of the yeah. reasons that you fell, fell down to League One is because of the... You know, you went for broke, as it were. The wage bill was was very high uh, when you were chasing promotion under under Gary yeah. Johnson. You came so close, but you didn't get there, and crucially, fell back. You you don't want to find yourself in the same position again. I think you've had. I was just reading your your accounts that have been released recently. Um, yeah. The the, uh, the wage bill has been reduced by five point five million pounds over the last uh, few years, which is you know a big amount of money. So you don't want to go up and have to sign loads of players and give them you know in, in inverted commas championship level wages, you know, and then find yourself in the same position again. You've got to do it intelligently, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I think if you look back to the the year we got promoted to the championship, well, six seven years ago now. That first season, I'm pretty sure our wage bill wasn't that big. I think what happened was we we surpassed all expectations. We we rolled on from promotion and got to the playoff final. And I think getting so tantalisingly close, you know, pretty much whetted everyone's appetite and raised expectations too high. And I, you know, and came to the owner Steve Lansdowne and that as much as the fans. I think the, the prospect of a Premier League was suddenly far closer on the horizon than anyone had ever imagined. And we made some bad decisions in the types of players we signed and felt that now that was the time to go out and sign some big name players and some big wages and it, you know, as you say over three or four years that slowly unravelled and didn't work um, I think they'd be happy to have some quality and some big wages but what I don't think we're going to do is have a score of 30 odd players again I think yeah, we've, we've learned lessons from that we don't also want to keep bringing players in to replace what we've got it's worked this year we've got really it's a fantastic team spirit I can't overestimate the over importance of that um this season and I think you, know, you can't have too many players to that sort of group without affecting that and I think Cottrell will be acutely aware of that and, and know the sorts of 
people, the sort of character he wants to bring in, as well as as well as the sort of style of player. Um, just looking at the remaining fixtures, you've still got quite a, you know, a couple of big games left. You've got Swindon at home and Preston away to come in April. Would you yeah. like Would you like to get promoted at home or away? Have you got preference? Yeah, I mean, we always looked at April. I must admit, it looked at it as a tough month before. It was going to be tough. You got you know Bradford and Chesterfield away. Certainly not going to be any pushovers in the month either. Um, I think there was a moment in our season where we'd gone unbeaten all year and Swindon actually ended that run in the middle of November and our skipper Wade Elliott was sent off after two minutes. There was a lot of recrimination to the local derby and you can imagine the atmosphere was quite uh, heightened and I think their their players pretty much celebrated as if they won the league that day for beating us and I think there's an awful lot of people who quite fancy Revenge. returning the favour on Easter Tuesday live on Sky and getting promotion against our, you know, our local rivals and and winning it then but um, yeah Preston Saturday after obviously our closest rivals at the moment and, and equally as important a game because one thing is for certain of this team they don't want to finish second there's no question that anyone wants to just finish second everyone wants to win the league and that's been Cottrell's aim publicly right from day one of the season and you know, I think that's what we want to achieve this season I want to go and get that second trophy One of the most amazing things about the victory uh, about the game on Sunday in the JPT final was the attendance. 72,315 fans in Wembley Stadium. Biggest attendance yeah. for any game yeah. in England over the weekend. Which is incredible. I think more than the, certainly more than the last England game that, that was there. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> Good uh, point, yeah. you know, the, the vast majority of which were Bristol City fans, I think 40-odd thousand of you were, were there. Um, and I think that just goes to show, really, the potential that's there for Bristol City it's one of the got to be one of the biggest cities around that hasn't had a top flight club for, for a long yeah. time I mean yeah. and if you get it right and you can con- continue this momentum and you know be a strong club in the championship for the next few seasons and, and maybe bridge that gap and look get at, into the Premier look League look at Wolves and Brentford yeah. went up last season from League One exactly yeah. you know you, you could be you know you could be a force really in English football if, if, you, if you manage to get it right yeah, and I think yeah, if you if you look at what Steve Lansdowne's done for the club over the last ten years or so, and that that has been his aim. He he's no fool. He's made his money in hard business and on the on the stock exchange by you know being successful. And as much as he's a fan, you know he's absolutely had his eye on investing and becoming. But I think we are the biggest city not to have a club in the Premier League since it started. I think that's without doubt. It does feel a bit different. I may you know, I may come to regret these words, but there's just a whole atmosphere around the club. Steve Lansdowne's recently also acquired um, Bristol Rugby, and they're now playing Ashton Gate. The ladies' team actually worth a shout out to them of playing in the champion. They're actually the last British club in the Champions League because they, they they've played on the other day. Didn't they, I think actually, um, and it's all under the Bristol Sport umbrella, which Lansdowne's invested a lot in. And I think there's just a general feeling that. He's gone out to to Barcelona and seen their way they set up with their sporting empire out there, and not for a second saying we're going to be anything like that on the football field. But that's the model he's after, and there's no doubt that you know having a Premier League football team is absolutely at the heart of that that ambition, and he will do what he feels necessary to try and get us there, and you know and potentially has the has the uh, the, rev- the the money to to do something to make it happen. Me- messy to Ashton Gate, maybe at the end of his past. Well, you career. never know. <laughs> um, just <laughs> one final. We've got Luke Freeman. Very good. Uh, just one final question, <laughs> uh, Paul. Um, more of a general question, really, uh, about the Johnston's paint. Johnson Paint Trophy because it yeah. does get a bit of a bad sort of rep and there's talk about not on this show it doesn't well no there's talk <laughs> long time uh, listeners will fondly remember the Alan Johnson's paint yeah there's trophy. talk about B teams as well Premier League B teams coming into the JPT in future seasons um, has it been a, a you know a, fan, a fantastically positive thing for the season in general yeah I mean I said we've, we've been to the final 
um, five times now. It's, you know, we've won it three times. It's been really good to us. And each time we've had thirty to 40,000 fans sort of turn up and enjoy the, you know, enjoy the occasion. I don't doubt for a second that the semi-final in particular, the double-leg win over Gillingham, played a huge part in our run in that two or three-month period after Christmas where we, we had lots of away games and we won the vast majority of our away games, which is tough at any level. And I think you know, that, that momentum and that enthusiasm that was generated from that and the prospect of going to Wembley undoubtedly helped this team feel they're on the verge of something special and you have a chance of winning the double. I think only Birmingham have done that before, the League One and, and JPT double. Um, undoubtedly one. helped and yeah some teams take it a bit easy in the early round and you can understand that I guess but certainly once you get to the say semi-final stage everyone's realising you know, what an opportunity that is for them and to have Premier League B teams in the competition would be disastrous in my view it's, it's about the lower league it's not about those guys they've got, they got enough opportunity and you know, this is Walsall's chance to go to Wembley yeah, for the first time you know, it was our first chance 20 odd years ago to go and that, yeah, we don't want that to lose that that romance and the, the opportunity You're totally to right. Walsall, you know, Walsall first time in their what, 127 year history is it and those chances yeah. will be significantly reduced if you know Manchester City yeah. B and Manchester United yeah. B and Chelsea B are there and don't get me started on B teams again yeah yeah <laughs> we, we've been through this but no I think you're right Paul thanks so much for coming on uh, great no to talk to you enjoy the rest of the season and me. the uh, promotion even when it eventually comes that is Paul Binning uh, he writes the Bristol City blog uh, the XL Robin and you can read it right now at xlrobin.blogspot.com that is where you need to go uh, next we're going to uh, stay in League 1 we're off to Meadow Lane. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Okay, so let me read a list to you, uh, DC. Uh, here are some names. Steve Cottrell, who, of course, we just mentioned a hell of a lot. Craig Short, Paul Ince, Martin Allen, Keith Curl, Chris Kawamia, and Sean Derry. What is the pattern? Notts County managers. Notts County managers, all in the last five. Former Notts County yeah, managers. Yeah, all in the last five years. They certainly get through them, don't they? And um, Sean Derry is gone after Saturday's 4 1 defeat at MK Dons, uh, which leaves uh, the Magpies on the brink of the League One relegation zone. In fact, they've only won three games in their last 24 matches back since November. And remember, Sean Derry uh, last season was a bit of a revelation when he came in, managed to keep them up, but it hasn't continued in that vein. Let's find out more about his sacking right now with the deputy editor of Notts County's black and white fanzine who is Jacob Daniel and we're pleased to say uh, that Jacob joins us on the show right now Jacob thanks very much for speaking to us um, what was your initial reaction then when you heard the news that uh, Sean Derry had gone are you happy or, or disappointed? Well I think the, the main thing that I and everyone felt was sadness because um, it's been a long time since there's been a manager at the club that everyone's wanted to do well quite as much as, De- as we have with Derry but when you look back at read out those stats, like three wins in 24 games and managing to break the all-time record for home defeats in the season by March, Ouch. It's, you, can, you can see where the board's coming from, I think. There's been a, more a sadness than any kind of relief or anything, I think has been the, the message. I was really interested to, to look at Notts County uh, this week because... Uh, as regular listeners will know, I Notts County were one of the teams that I sort of tipped to to, to watch at the start of the season. I thought with with the recruitment and the and the 
what at the time looked like a positive appointment of Sean Derry, I had high hopes for you. And up until the end of October, uh, I was probably the only team out of all of my predictions across the <laughs> league that was, that was seemingly giving me any credit and proving me right. Because you had, had that nine-game unbeaten run, five wins in a row, and it was, it was looking great up near the playoffs. And then just since then, since the, literally since the 1st of November, it's been disastrous. I mean, what's happened from that great start to, to now? I think the, the word recruitment is what it all comes down to. I think that at this level, particularly managers will always live and die by that because I think they're not all that tactically aware or that subtle. So if you can get your signings right and put a small, well-knit squad together, generally you'll do well. So I think the first stat you have to look at to see where it went wrong is the fact we've used 42 different players this season. It started to spiral out of control when we started losing games. And what... Derry couldn't do is keep faith in a player after they had one or two bad games. So it started to get ridiculous where players would sign, play one or two games and then be consigned to the reserves. Like there's players we've got still on the books who we haven't seen since last year. We've had kind of myriad of short-term loanees, none of whom have been able to replicate the quite good loanees we had before Christmas, like Petrasso and Zeli Ismail were a huge part of what we were doing. And I also think that he's just signed, when you sign the amount of older players that he has, it can't really be a surprise when they run out of steam towards the end of the season. That average age at full-time on Saturday was over 30, which is absurd for any team, really. What would have been a realistic ambition for Notts County at the start of this season, uh, then given what he managed to achieve towards the towards the back end of last year, keeping you in the division when it looked extremely unlikely? Um, you know, what, what, what were expectations at the start of the season? And I've had the fans stayed on side, I suppose, during the, the last few months. Well, it's, it's got really tricky. Has there been a bad atmosphere at, at Meadow Lane? Um, there's not been so much of a bad atmosphere. There's no atmosphere at all, which <laughs> is... Part of the problem, the crowd for the home defeat to Rochdale a week ago was the lowest in seven years, I think. And the the actual position in the table isn't a huge surprise or even a problem. I think most people expected us to struggle. And I think most people would have said if we'd stayed in the league, that would have been a successful season. But even though it looked like Derry may still be able to deliver that, if you deliver that with the home record that we've got, then no one will come and watch and you will have no money to buy another team next season. If the home and away records were switched round, he'd probably still be in a job, but he never found the way to win at Medellin. Taking temporary charge of the club now is is, uh, ex-Forest manager Paul Hart and and academy coach Mick uh, Mick Housel. Hart leads the betting in terms of who would be the next permanent manager, but other names uh, that the bookies are suggesting are Mark Yates, Stephen Presley... Uh, James Beattie gets a mention. I mean, there's obviously, there's been lots of sackings this season, so there's, there's a lot of managers who are out of work. I mean, what, what route do you want the club to go down? Because as Mark mentioned at the start, you've seen a lot of names in charge at Meadow Lane recently, and, and from a variety of different approaches. You know, you've got people like Paul Ince, you know, who are kind of still trying to prove themselves, really, as, uh, as managers after a high-profile playing career. Derry was like a very inexperienced manager. So where do you want them to go? I think... That's been that's a huge problem for us, and that's been why so much focus in the kind of aftermath of Derry sacking hasn't so much been on him as the approach of the board, because it just 
it's getting to the point now where we appoint a manager, but they'll have a completely different philosophy to the last manager. So they sign a completely different team to suit their methods. And then when it doesn't work, we seem to think the way forward is to go and appoint the polar opposite. But of course, they, they don't want to work with the squad they've been given then. So the thing we've got now is the problem is the squad Barry's built is so full of kind of experienced, I think would be the, the nice way to put it, players. that the, Whoever's going to come in is going to look at it and think there's not a whole lot to build on. But that does give you the leeway to look for someone who's able to build a squad and has proven they can do that. But I think what, what most people want is someone who has a recent track record of doing that. And I think for all of the different approaches we've taken, the one thing they have in common is that none of them have got kind of recent proof that they're able to overachieve with a modest budget in League One or League Two. Because well, for me, someone like Mark Yates, who in the end, it didn't go great for him at Cheltenham, but for quite a while there, he was doing a, a solid job and put together a decent team that was better than the sum of its parts. Yeah, I think a lot of Cheltenham fans think, would wish he was still there, really, to right, be honest. Absolutely, the way they're going at the minute. Um, you're playing Scunthorpe at the weekend. There's a situation here where your chief exec, Jim Rodwell, has just moved to Scunthorpe and they're one of the sides around you down at the bottom there you're just outside the League One relegation zone on goal difference I'm looking at the fixture list you're playing seven games in April which is a hell of a lot to cram in pretty much obviously the two Easter games and it's pretty much Saturday, Tuesday Saturday, Tuesday for the whole month and you've got a lot of games against teams around you I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing given the run you're on at the minute do you think you can survive? Um, well for us it's a good thing but it's something that makes Derry sacking a little bit stranger because for the whole season, we've consistently beaten the other teams in the relegation mix. Now, I don't think we've beaten a single team this season who are above us in the table at the time we played them. But even in the run of three wins in 24 games, those three wins are against Crew, Colchester and Leighton Orient, three of the teams who happen to be below us. So I think a run of games against teams around us isn't a bad thing if the team stick with the same kind of thing that was happening under Derry. But at the same time, the timing of it's quite strange a few days before such a big game. Because for me, I expected them to have someone lined up and it to have been done and dusted. But the fact that Hart and Housel have been put in temporary charge would indicate that there's a little bit of uncertainty there at least. So it did the smack of a little bit of a, a panicky move, I think. And just a final question about the uh, sort of um, state of the club since the kind of Sven Goran Eriksson um, sort of Saul Campbell project. I mean, long term, what is the vision for Notts County Football Club? I imagine that's a question a lot of the fans have been asking in recent seasons. Um, it hasn't been entirely successful since then. Where do you see Notts County in in sort of say five years' time? See, I, I wish I know really, but that's. The problem is going to be in five months, really. <laughs> yeah. Five years. And that's been the problem with our board at the minute, in that we're not badly run in the sense that, say, Blackpool are badly run. But the, the decision making on the football side is getting slightly bizarre. And it's hard to know which direction they want to go in, really. Like, we've had a, a dabble with using younger players, but that lasted for about three months. And then we've had a dabble now with older players, but that's not gone very well. It does seem like it's the time now, whether we stay up or not, in the long term, really, 
that's not the issue. What what they've got to do is put some kind of strategy in place for how they want to move forward. Um, perhaps more importantly, stick with that strategy for longer than six months and ride out the first rocky patch. Whether that involves, you know, you can sack your manager, but this time you've got to stick with a manager along the same lines. I do, th- I do think it's a, a shame, really, just to, you know, looking at at, at the you know, the succession of managers you've had and, and just like the complete lack of progress you've been making over the last sort of four years. Because Dots County, um, we've been talking about Bristol City earlier and a completely different club to Bristol. We were talking about how much potential Bristol City uh, has as a club being from such a, a well-populated area. But, you know, Nottingham's a very proud footballing city. Obviously, you're in the shadow of Forest, but you've got a very proud history uh, uh, yourselves. You're one of the oldest clubs. You know, the ground's not bad for, for the level that you're at. And I, I think it's a good club, you know, a really nice, you know, traditional heritage club. And it's a, it, it could be, I just think it deserves better than, than from lurching from one manager and one philosophy to, to, to the next. It's a good job for a young manager, maybe, who could come in, bed in and really build something. Yeah, I'd, I'd go with that, I think. I think our, our crowds aren't great, really. Although the, the, we've not had much success lately. The one or two seasons where we did do OK, they weren't bad. So, but I suppose you can't bank on having a good season and set your budget like that. But what they've what they've not done is the problem's not setting a modest budget or not having the resources of other teams in the league. The problem's not going out and finding a manager who's proven that they can work under those those constraints and put together a useful team on that. Like people mention our budget quite a lot. In the, I believe it's supposed to be the 18th highest in the league. But then you look at other teams, the likes of Walsall and Rochdale, who will have even smaller budgets. Then you look at the way they move forward with younger players, with smaller mm. squads, with selling people on. And Perfect it's examples, aren't they? Those two clubs, with Keith Hill, I know he's been and he's come back, but, and Dean Smith, they've been there for many years. They understand the club. They've got a philosophy, young players, intelligent, you know, shrewd recruitment when they can. And it's paid dividends for the pair of them. Yeah, definitely. Like, I feel for the board a little bit because I'm fairly sure Terry didn't go into his job interview and say, yeah, the plan's to have kind of a 37-year-old here, a 35-year-old here and lose every home game. But at the same time, you've got to, you've got to be a little bit more analytical about it and be a little more thoughtful and kind of look at the evidence you've got and say, look, this person's proven they can do that. They've proven it here. Let's give them a chance to do it here. I think we've we've got to get away from thinking that we can we can change the history of someone's managerial career, or indeed take a complete punt on someone who's not got that evidence that they can do do it either way yet. Well, five of the uh, the remaining nine games are at Meadow Lane, so you need to get that place rocking if you can for the Scunthorpe game uh, starting on Saturday. Jacob, thanks very much for coming on the show and talking to us. Um, Cheers. Best, best of luck for the rest of the season. You might need it by the sounds of it. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on it, seeing how it goes. That is uh, Jacob Daniel, who is the deputy editor of Notts County's Black and White Fanzine, and you can uh, read more uh, from the Black and White Fanzine at thenotsblog.co.uk. Right, more in a second. to do something great together. Join Men United and help beat prostate cancer. 
Search Men United now. So that was a little message for Prostate Cancer UK. And as we record this very show, the Prostate Cancer UK Stadium is Kenilworth Road. A uh, special event uh, Tuesday night, the 24th of March, obviously after you... Uh, oh, sorry, before you hear this, but uh, they're playing Wickham in a live game on the TV on Sky in League Two, mm. and it's all been renamed for the night, which is yeah. a fantastic, tremendous, tremendous bit of work. Big fans, by of course, everyone of, uh, down there, Prostate Cancer UK, UK, aren't we? You can uh, uh, see our special. I'll listen back to our special on the website. You're uh, a big fan of Luton, though, aren't you? I am a huge, of this game. huge fan of Luton Town. The game's not finished as we record, so we won't give out the score yet. Actually, probably won't have finished by the time we finish this. But uh, three to well, we'll give out the score. Three two down as we record. What could really do with Luton? Uh, winning that because then Wickham would only be a point above us six wins from seven only a point below the top three now it's it's back on and I was saying to you we're kind of inadvertently starting in League 2 here but I was saying to you why um, don't we do that okay we'll start Let's in League 2 the other way. mixing it up why not um, when we were uh, in the pub before this uh, just on a bit of food I was telling you that I, when I was in Newcastle at the weekend there was a big big group of Berry fans that I was amongst um, probably the highest proportion of Berry fans I've ever been in outside of an actual ground um, and when that winning goal went in in the 90th minute can't beat it you cannot beat it scenes that the people of Newcastle were utterly bemused by uh, <laughs> let me tell you uh, so the top two still looking uh, like they're going to go up Burton Albion in top you've got Shrewsbury in second uh, Wickham as things stand are going to be uh, four points clear in third and uh, we've got Southend on Saturday which is a big old game in the playoffs a couple of playoff spots still up for grabs at the minute I suppose the big uh, talking point topic in League 2 is down at the bottom though oh, yeah. uh, we covered Hartlepool obviously on the show this season but uh, they looked completely cut adrift you'll have seen the vine of Jeff Stelling interrupting the classified scores a couple of weeks ago when they scored a, a late goal the win came in and it looks like they could do it under Ronnie Moore yeah three wins on the bounce uh, and that gap has closed right up just to one point. Cheltenham uh, on 37 points. Tramier on 37 points just outside the relegation zone. York, who you beat last week. I was there. as well. Uh, they just can't score, out of it yet. They just cannot no. score. Uh, Russ Wilcox, who obviously had a great season at Scunny last year, um, really struggling there. The fans were turning against him uh, at, um, at Beef and Crescent last week. Uh, Tramier, you mentioned there, they're what, just, outside the goal, uh, just outside the relegation place on goal difference. I think they've got one of the worst form runs one of the worst runs of any team in that they division lost not really is it? not really uh, worked under Mickey they Adams for them so lost far lost six of their last seven games yeah so it's, it's looking pretty grim uh, for them and of course who do they play last day of the season they play us that's just the way it's looking at the uh, minute uh, Prenton Park at or Prenton the, uh, Park yeah so that could be quite, quite an atmosphere at Prenton Park uh, so that is, uh, that's our last game of the season obviously quite a busy few weeks coming up and there might actually be some teams promoted by the time you get back from America mm. looking at some of the leads some of these teams have got um, into League 1 it's tight down the bottom there as well Yeovil they're looking gone at the minute, I if think we're Skiverton's honest, pretty much admitted yeah. as much as well, really. Yeah, they're on 33, so they're <laughs> nine points away from safety. Colchester, four points off safety. Orient still in the relegation zone, not been able to get out. They've got a game in hand though, and Crew are level with Notts County. A big, big loss for uh, a Crawley. Huge, huge win for Crawley, but a terrible loss for for Orient. On yeah, Saturday. Crawley, Coventry, Scunthorpe. Uh, even Walsall, not completely safe yet. There's a whole bunch of teams around there. Tony Mowbray's at least made a bit of an impact. Excuse me, and Coventry have climbed out of the relegation zone. Um, but well, they nearly won three in a row, but they did lose to Doncaster at the weekend. But I mean, Crawley are the are the team yeah. there. I didn't know five wins out of their last sort of what uh, eight or nine games. They've really picked up since uh, John Gregory uh, sadly had to have his operation didn't he? Mm. and Dean Saunders has come in. Uh, the one team you would sort of fear for looking there though, it's Crew with that dreadful goal difference mm. minus thirty three, uh, which is considerably worse than any of the sides around them. Uh, in the top half. 
Uh, Barnsley um, under Lee Johnson on a fantastic run. Uh, I think that's uh, six wins and two draws from their last eight games in all competitions, which is some kind of record. Nice feature on them on the Football League show yeah. uh, over the weekend. They're just outside the playoff places. Rochdale still. I, th- I did like the woman on the Football League show. Oh yeah, <laughs> it just summed up football fans perfectly. Yeah, you know, I know, yeah, I know you're say. She said, "Well, you know, I thought we should have given Danny Wilson more, more time. time really, yeah, really I, didn't, liked I didn't, him. didn't think it was the right decision, and we were really sad to see him go. But then Lee Johnson's come in, and it's basically the right decision because yeah. he's won every game. Yeah, see you, Danny. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty much what she was saying. Uh, Rochdale are losing uh, at Oldham at the minute, but they are just outside as well as are Donny. Um, but yes, yeah, sixth spot. What an impact. I mean, uh, how many fans did we speak to at Peterborough yeah. that day? And, and not Dave one of Robinson. them really thought they had any chance of going up. And, you know, they were all talk, all the talk was about Steve Evans, but it doesn't look like that would happen now. You know, it looks like Dave would get the job if you, if you went by, by form and, and the, the great turnaround he's managed to, uh, to deliver in the short space of time he's been in charge. Uh, but as you say, it's very tight, but... Yeah, well, they've that, got just as much a chance as anyone around them. There's actually a huge gap between fourth and fifth. So Sheffield United is still not completely safe. They're only three points above seventh. Uh, in fourth, MK Dons, big win at the weekend. Swindon in third, who didn't play. I don't think they play next week either because of the international. Uh, their game's off because of international call-ups, which is basically, basically Massimo Luongo, isn't it, pretty much, I think. And um, the top two looking good at the minute. Obviously, we cover Bristol City. How important is it for uh, Simon Grayson to get pressed and promoted this season, given how close they come and how often they screw it up in yeah, the playoffs? Yeah, well, he should do, because they've got a great team for League One. Joe Garner is a player who... Joint top scorer in the league now. He's on fire. And he's a player I always watch of interest, because he he, he actually was at Watford for, for a little for a little spell, and it just didn't ever go for him. He, you know, he had injuries, he was in and out of the team, we had a few manager changes, and it just, you know, for one reason or another, he didn't perform while he was there with us. We sent him out on loan and eventually went back to Preston, and that is a club that he's flourishing at, and obviously he's a very talented player, and that's why he's been bought by championship clubs for reasonable sums of money in the past. Uh, and with a player like him spearheading the, the team that they've got, there's no excuse for them not to go up at this season. It's tight. Swindon are still there with, with them, play some very attractive football. And and just given the the psychological impact of them being, you know, the, of that playoff record on those players mm-hmm. and that on the whole club and of the fans, if they end up in the playoffs, you know, they'll be absolutely desperate to get up in second. Down at the bottom of the championship, well, I mean, if Blackpool are not relegated by the time you get back from America, then I don't, don't quite know what's gone on because they are, well, how many points can they have? Seven games left, so they're going to get 20, going to get to uh, 40... Uh, four the maximum so basically yeah they're going to be gone in about two weeks I think uh, second bottom Millwall also uh, draw Brentford I think they were 2-0 up on they Saturday were. Yeah, they were. massive drop two points for Neil Harris's side there uh, they're seven points off safety Wigan though still in with a shout they got a last minute equaliser against Bolton on Saturday great goal as well mm. overhead kick by Waghorn. that's the one um, by, by Martin Waghorn and um, Rotherham chucked away three points in injury time Absolutely. that could be potentially quite a big swing in the next crucial. quite a, big, a crucial moment in the next Absolutely. few weeks because Wigan have gained a point and Rotherham have dropped three yeah. uh, so the gap between the two clubs is only five and um, there's raining goals in the last few minutes wasn't it at Amazing. the New York Stadium well, and it was right into the 98th minute as well there, the game was late kicking off and then there was delays during the game so he had eight plus minutes of injury time uh, Rotherham when, when Wednesday initially pulled one back uh, Rotherham took the lead again through Bowery you know 2-1 up then going into injury time You'd think getting straight back, you know, you'd think conceding the equaliser, oh God, they'd be deflated, but getting straight back and think, right, now we hold on, lads, yeah. you know, we've got it, we've, we've got our noses back in front immediately. To lose 3 2, you know, it's inexcusable at Criminal. home, you know, against your, uh, one, of your, one of your local rivals as well. 
um, they might potentially look back at this defeat if they do go down and Wigan do manage to claw them back and say this is you know a real key moment for them. But interesting, watch your Sheffield Wednesday who are having you know a good season by their standards. I had them to go down at the start of the season. <laughs> you know they're twelfth at the moment. Uh, but Lewis McGugan seems to be involved in a lot of the everything that they do that's good at the moment and it's interesting because he is a player that no one at Watford was really sad to see loaned out this season he did contribute quite a lot for us last season and you know we all know him as a player that scores great goals and has definitely got quality real good quality at the championship level and he's kind of highly regarded by everyone who has never had him in their team (laughs) <laughs> when you have him in your team, you know, no Forest fans weren't that sad to see him go. He was a yeah. homegrown talent, but by the time he'd left, nobody was that fussed. When he came to Watford, we were all happy. He did okay, but then when he left, we weren't that fussed, and he's doing really well now at Sheffield Wednesday. If he signs for them in the summer, I'll be very intrigued to see whether in another year or 18 months' time, as he faded there. It's, it's interesting to see the pattern. Uh, Chef Wednesday up in 12th at the minute. Uh, just one more team to mention down the bottom. Uh, Fulham, who won 2-0 at Huddersfield. Naki Wells missing two penalties in the same game, uh, which is quite rare. Um, uh, Reading just above Fulham, and of course, since the last show, they've beaten Bradford, and they'll be going to Wembley to play Arsenal in the FA Cup semi-final. So, uh, best of luck to them in that. Uh, let's look well, at... Well, just, just on Fulham there for a, oh, for, oh, for a second. I mean, what a r- ridiculous... A pair of games they've had the game where they lost 3-0 at home Leeds. to Leeds yeah. they had what like some ludicrous amount of shots on goal hit the bar and the, you know hit the woodwork a number of times they battered Leeds Leeds <laughs> had about five shots three of them went in lost 3-0 yeah then they lose 3-0 and then Huddersfield they go away. to Huddersfield they, they, you know, <laughs> two penalties, they get absolutely hammered by Huddersfield exactly the reverse of the previous game Naki Wells misses two penalties they get a, the second goal or, you know a breakaway goal in the last minute which which they pretty much missed, but you know, happens to fall back straight back into the striker's path, so he can get the rebound in. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, right, top of the championship. Oh, he's just sat up in his seat. He means business here. <laughs> Let's have a look at how things stand. Then there's been three lots of games. Uh, amazingly, since we did the last show, uh, which just seems ridiculous, really. But three lots of games. Let me give Not you. A, long let, ago, let, uh, it's about was it about a week and a half, two yeah. weeks ago. Let me give you a little uh, mini table of what mini breakdown. What's happened in the last three games? Bournemouth two wins and a draw. Watford two wins and a defeat. Middlesbrough two wins and a defeat. Norwich one win and two draws. Derby one draw and two defeats. Ipswich two wins and a defeat Brentford one win one draw one defeat Wolves two wins and one draw so out of all that the team that stands out at Derby because they haven't won a single game and that's six without a win now yeah. and they let a ludicrous own goal at Wolves on Friday as well Lee yeah. Grant they did although there, there was the incident with the Tom Ince and, and, and potentially getting a player sent off yes. the referee played advantage they could have England's Tom Ince it could have gone gone through and, and, and scored the goal and won their up um McLaren was very unhappy and thought he deserved Angry more. Angry stuff. Seen him on the touchline yeah. actually. Thought he was going to get sent off there. Yeah. Well, clearly the pressure is showing because they favourites for the league. They have gone from being favourites for automatic promotion right up there. You know, looking looking like the signing of Darren Bent was a masterstroke with Tom Ince to to really struggling for form now. You know, the injuries to Chris Martin and to Darren Bent haven't helped. The injuries in the defence haven't helped. The injuries in midfield haven't helped. The injuries are a problem. But I was speaking to uh, Jonathan Rogers, who we had on a while back, about oh, you could say Brendan Rogers for a second. No, no, no. The, the the sort of the Derby fan, but the one who also watches Watford, if you'll remember. And and he was saying that you know there are 
deeper problems than just the injuries in terms of the defensive lineup isn't necessarily the, the best don't have the best balance in the defense could have strengthened the defense more in the summer and you know it consistently consistently leaking goals is, is what's done for them really and and now and especially now they can't score any because they're a lot of their forward players are injured so they need to do something to turn it round. Because uh, you know, imagine if they finish seventh, it'd be disastrous. Yeah, um, they could easily do it. This two stage. two brilliant goals I wanted to mention from, from those games at the top. Cameron Jerome, right in the Premier League, yeah. bang average, absolutely <laughs> useless in the Championship, tearing it up. Yeah. Now, is that just something that you know we need to accept? Perhaps there's a bit of a, a difference. I don't know. I don't know I cause it's confidence, isn't it? A yeah. lot of it, I think, has to be confidence. He's playing in a if team. You didn't see this goal. It's like a back heel sort of flick against yeah. Forest on Saturday. Really Carrow good. Road. You know, and it's a, it's a sort of thing that only a confident player would do. If that was if that was in one of his spells for for, for Stoke or whoever. Palace. Palace and it wasn't going he wasn't going well for him he'd probably try and take a touch or lay it off and you know it's a different thing and the other one I was going to mention was Harry Arter for Bournemouth oh, coming onto that on his left foot against Middlesbrough he's a good player he's a player, he's I, remember, player. I remember seeing uh, Bournemouth play was it Stevenage I think I saw them play Stevenage in League One a few years ago uh, and, and Arter on the day was one of the players that stood out for me then and he's consistently been you know, at the heart of this Bournemouth team over with, uh, as part of their rise over the last few years he's now got recognised his first call up to the uh, Full Island squad uh, I think he's an excellent player and that was a, a great goal um, in, in our big sort of uh, sort of look at the top of the table in the previous sort of full episode before you you Millwall one, uh, you sort of uh, sort of said you didn't think Ipswich played the best football of the teams up there, and you mentioned no. a couple of squad players, yeah. the likes of Richard Chaplow, Freddie Sears, <laughs> and uh, they combined for the winning goal in injury time did. to beat Watford oh, on Saturday. Some kind of justice, God. everyone, don't you think? Karma. Um, yeah. Watford nil. Uh, Ipswich won, meaning um, well, you're still in the top, t- still top second, two. You yeah. were top of the table before that. Obviously, got an international break coming up this weekend. Uh, Bournemouth for Watford at the top. Well, I mean, it's just well, I mean, we could we could waste another ten minutes talking about it, but that it's, game, it's so tight. Uh, watching the highlights back, and and I was at work on Saturday, and there was an Ipswich fan in the office with me, and we had the commentary, we had the uh, the goals as they go in on, uh, and as they threw, as Adrian Durham threw to. A goal. There's been a late goal at Vicarage Road. We both just looked at each other, and it seemed like that moment, and it could only have been a second or two, lasted an eternity, just waiting for that reporter to say, Watford, Watford nil. nil. It, and my oh, heart fuck. sank, my head hit the keyboard. He was up and down, dancing and jumping around the office. Top over his head. And it was a, a terrible moment because, I, I, you know, of course, I'd say now a point would have been a good result having lost a game, but watching the highlights, it's just one of those games where you just it's decision making decision making is so important you know there was a moment where Gediora ran clean through and, and he, he chose to shoot and he could have squared it to Dini who was in acres of space it's bad decision making and, and Ben Watson you know, a lesser player than Ben Watson one of Ipswich's big ugly defenders probably would have if it was a roles were reversed would have cleared that that big long clearance out when they when he was the last man out for a throw in and you get a point but Watson he's a good player he wants to bring it down and, and, and try and attack and try and get, get something get the win for Watford tries to bring it down loses the ball Sears robs him of it squares it to Chaplow 1-0 they've got the point they've gone mad and it's just those tiny moments and it's you know it's easy to look at them and focus on these little moments obviously the whole season oh. thing what's going on here your phone. 
It's your phone. Oh. It's your dad. He's probably ringing to give, oh, you, a, give, you, give you an update on the, uh, the Watford oh, Leeds well, it's game. It's a good job he's wrong because I would have gone on forever. But basically, like, it's those little moments that can be the difference between us finishing second and third or between us going up and not. You know, Ipswich now all of a sudden, they'll be thinking they might have a chance of automatic promotion once more. So, uh, I mean, it was a bitterly disappointing defeat for us, but at least we got the international break now where we can regroup. Uh, and the bad news for, for Watford in terms of the team from, from Saturday was uh, Joel Ekstrand, who went oh, down injured. Horrible. It looks horrible, and he's yeah. going to be out for nine months now. Ouch. Um, will your dad do what my dad does and then leave you a voicemail saying, can you call me? Probably, Just yeah. cost me 25 p to listen to that, Dad. <laughs> uh, right, so we'll leave the championship there. Now, something we want to talk about before the end of the show is young players in yes, the football league. Absolutely. So... Talk to me about this. We, we, we've had a couple of conversations about this um, and we want to do something on this before the end of the season. Well, we basically want to try and find the best young players in the Football League. And that's not necessarily putting them in any order. We're not necessarily doing like a 4-4-2 style best 100 players outside the Premier League because that always brings about <laughs> you know arguments yeah. and discussions. What we want to do is basically find out, in the opinion of the fans of each club, who's the best, most promising young player at each of the 72 clubs in the Football League. Criteria? So, a- Age-wise? or I would say you've got to be eligible for, for your nation's under-21 side. So that's 20, that, that's 21 or under at the start of, uh, of, of the campaign of the, of the, with the Euros at the moment, isn't it? So anyone that could play for their nation's under-21s is a young player for me. Okay. So we would like to hear from fans. Is that, is that the way we're going to do this? or Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. We, I mean, that's the best way. We want so, to hear from the guys that watch these players week in, week out. So the players, not, and I, I mean players that have played for the first team as yeah. well. Obviously, you know, there'll be some some of you, many of you perhaps, who will be keeping tabs on the youth players and the academy prospects. But players that have played for the first team who are under 21. Now, I would like to think that we would have at least one fan of every single football league club I think so. that listens to this show. Maybe not Accrington, but you never know. Uh, so we'd love you to get in touch. And, and, and that's no disservice to no, Accrington, no, no. but they are historically they are, most, they are the, the team we've had the most trouble, trouble getting, getting people for. on for. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so there's a few ways you can do this. Um, we're looking at compiling uh, some sort well, we're going to do a special show on it before yeah. the end of the season. And then basically we're going to... So you don't have to just sort of send it in a tweet. You can send us an email if you you know, you know want to tell us uh, some more information about the player. I think we're going to try and get a few people on, aren't we, when yeah. we when we're we going to try and talk to some of them, you know, to interview some of these oh, young some players. some of the players, of course, yeah, maybe sorry. Maybe speak to some coaches, some of the managers, yeah. to find out a bit more about these players. Because we'll all know some of the more high-profile players at the top end of the championship. But, you know, there's... A hell of a lot of young talent coming through it. You know, clubs up and down the country, many of which we you know we won't necessarily hear about. Does so this player have shine to shine a light on them? Does this player have to have come through the youth system at, at no, your club, or not necessarily? No. Okay, there you go. You've heard the rules, folks. Uh, so we'd like you to email us if you go to uh, wearegoingup.co.uk and click on contact. You fill in the form there, or you can just whack it to our Gmail if you want. Waggypodcast at gmail.com. The Twitter at waggypodcast. Just send us a, uh, send us in a tweet. Obviously, you know it'd be pretty obvious who your team is, but you can just stick that in there just so we're. Uh, we don't mess it up, which we might do. Um, so that's the ways to get in touch. And the Facebook page, you can post them on there as well. Right, that is it, I think, pretty much mm. for this week's show. Uh, if you'd like to take advantage of our free audio uh, free audiobook offer, courtesy of the lovely, nice people at Audible, that is audible.co.uk slash going up. And if you'd like to uh, get a 20 quid free bet of your bet fiver, sign up for a new Paddy Power account at wearegoingup.co.uk via the link there. And for the football pools as well, win yourself some cash. Uh, that you can then go and blow in America watching Wrestlemania and Las Vegas so you're back in the middle of April yeah. in a few weeks well, time so, well yeah fingers crossed so we'll see how the season stands at that point uh, there will be a show before then I'm sure of it we'll you're try, do, we'll try do one do, or two on your own try and do a couple of mini episodes hmm. maybe or a full show uh, depending on if who's knocking me, around you yeah. know where I am what's the time difference give me a call what are we looking at 
Anytime, uh, day or night, what's I will t- be there. What is it? It's, it's quite a big time uh, difference. It's about isn't it? nine hours behind, I think. Yeah. Okay, well, that might be doable. Might be, well, it might work. Uh, yeah. If we record it this time, nah, you're looking at lunchtime, you won't be up by then, will you? <laughs> <laughs> that's the way it's going to go. Right, Are you going to have this podcast ready and edited for me to listen to on the plane? What time's your plane at? So we record Tuesday night. I'm flying midday Wednesday. Yes, well, once I get home. That's your challenge. Okay, that'll be fine. Just uh, just make sure you refresh your pocket cast just when you're sat just at, before. It's on the okay. tarmac at Heathrow. Uh, right, that's it. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, enjoy the international break this weekend if you can I know it's quite tough um, Enjoy always, Easter I suppose Yeah there's always uh, football going on well I'll, I'll be here before Easter there's always football going on uh, in League 1 and League 2 though uh, big uh, weekend of fixtures coming up and Wickham still winning with a couple of minutes to go which is annoying me uh, That's it thanks for listening enjoy the States um, that's your dad again <laughs> and that's it for this week's We Are Going Up This is the We Are Going Up podcast We've got Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. The Football League covered. (laughs) 